Hi, and welcome to another edition of What's the Story here on The People Chronicles. My name is Joe Painter, and with me this afternoon is Dr. Mary Jo Bonner. And, you know, I've heard the name, I must tell you. So I am very delighted to meet you. Thanks for coming in. And thank you for inviting me. It is, it is my pleasure. So I've heard lots of things, and you and I had a conversation as we were setting up this appointment, Mary Jo. You've practiced medicine in our community for quite a few years, and you were just telling me you were in, you're an internal medicine doctor. That's correct. Doctor. And we could get into a whole story about how the medicine, the world of medicine is changing, but we'll save that for another time. That sounds wise. Okay. In, in medicine, though, uh, what grabbed you the most in your years of practice? What really stuck out and motivated you, shall we say, to keep doing what you do? Well, I'll step back to about the age of 14. Oh, my. You were not a doctor then? Not a doctor. Okay. And that was when my father died. Mm. Uh, and I, as a child at that time, did not know what was going on. I did not anticipate the loss of a parent, uh, was not educated about it, and was baffled by it. And I think probably uh, somewhat hurt by it and thought that that should not happen. So I'll fast forward to the time that I was in medical school. Uh, I entered at the University of Penn as a third year student. And how that became is another story. But as a third year student in going down the hallway with a group of doctors, you're always the last far behind in the background. Uh, you have all of your more educated colleagues ahead of you. Uh, I noticed that doctors were not sharing stories with the patients. That there was a conversation outside of the room with a family member who oftentimes said, don't tell everything that is going on, the family member will make the decision. And this puzzled me. I know it is done naturally in some cultures, mm -hmm. but I was not accustomed to that in our community. Uh, so I oftentimes was asked to enter the room of the patient myself, my limited knowledge of a couple of languages to find out what was going on. And I thought, this is a strange way to practice medicine. Why not have better conversations about life and death? Hmm. When I became a resident at Reading Hospital, I was asked by the Pennsylvania Medical Society, a secretary there, if I would be interested in serving the community uh, as a representative. So I went down to the Pennsylvania Medical Society, eventually became the chair of their ethics department. And this was at a time when there was uh, ventilators just being used and doctors did not know that you could disconnect a ventilator and you were not killing a person by doing that. This was all an evolving science um, that had not been touched upon before. Dr. Hildreth and I performed the first brain death pronouncement at Reading Hospital. 
So the body's alive, but the the brain stopped operating. Correct. Functioning, I should say. Uh, So in all of this, the one thing I always wanted, and the closest, and this is very personal, uh, the closest time to God is at a death or a near death for a person. The family is in agony, oftentimes suffering that they're losing a loved one. The loved one may not have made peace with family members. There's a whole host of things that I could spend hours telling you and explaining. But to be able to bring a calm, peaceful, dignified death to a person is a blessing. To be present at the death of a person is a blessing. So that led me into St. Francis' home. Uh, When I retired from the practice of medicine, and by that time it was pretty much 24-7. You were practicing medicine 24-7? Well, I was trying to get my charts dictated and get everything filed up and deal with those darn computers. That, that, that was the, the tasks that got away from your true, or, or took you away from your true yes. passion, I would suppose. It's, yes. it's interesting, Mary Jo, I, I, in event, the, the loss of a parent. It is, it is profound at any age, especially at such a young age, but it left such a mark that I, I can see now in, in hearing you talk that you wanted to make that different. When you described the scene of being the student and at the back of this trail of doctors going through the, the hospital halls, I, you mm-hmm. can picture any of the doctor shows on television. <coughs> they depict that and oh, they yes. thought, oh my goodness, that's it really real. Exists. But there you were saying, why are we excluding the patient? Wanting to give a voice to the patient. I have to believe that at the time, the intention was good. Oh yes. To not risk any further stress or undue stress for the person who is ill. But you were saying, no, give that person a voice. You were very active, I understand, in giving um, a voice to the person who is going to die, which is each and every one of us, by the way. Yes, um, we're all fighting for that living will. Here. Yes, yes. That was a, a, a also a passion of yours, the living will. Yes, um, I noted uh, that people's requests oftentimes were not honored and perhaps we as physicians crossed over the line too far in doing things Mm. and that led to a whole study um, of the discipline of the uh, patient's rights uh, the ethics of honoring and not Uh, taking what we might want, but looking to what the patient wants, and also what would seem right at the point of life of the patient. Mm -hmm. Uh, And as technology advanced, it became a bit more obtuse to some people as to what is the right thing to do. How far do we go with medicine to Correct. keep a person alive, you know, under all circumstances at all cost? The living will is a blessing, so I would like to personally thank you for your work in that part. It's, it's something you don't want to discuss. It's like, oh, I don't want to really think about contemplating my end or what I want. But it is imperative, and it's actually a gift to the family. Yes, and 
the more you talk about it, the easier it is mm. to talk about it. True that. Um, in the community I grew up in, in Wilmington, Delaware, uh, as a child, I sat with my neighbors as they were dying. And I may have been five or six or seven, but it was just considered a natural thing to do. So this is a very natural thing for you to get involved in St. Francis Home, and you started to mention that. So could you describe the mission of St. Francis Home? What is it, and where is it? Well, uh, Ware is in Cumru Township, uh, Shillington. Uh, it is on Hillside Drive. It has an address, but if you use your GPS, you won't find us because we're not occupied yet. <laughs> uh, so you will wind up uh, staring at a bunch of trees and wondering where we are in the trees. Um, but we are um, out Wyomissing Avenue, up Penwin Street, uh, back Orchard, back Allison, and then you come to Hillside Drive. What is this home for? And the home is to be a home, and where we are now, we are actually uh, built as a home. The outside is there, it is beautiful. The inside is being finished at the present time. Our goal is to finish it by June. It will have three bedrooms, uh, private rooms with uh, roll-in shower, handicapped equipped for three people at the end of life. Is it a hospice? It will be a social model for hospice care. We expect three guests will come to us under hospice. What do you mean by a social model, please? Uh, we will be their family. Okay. So if you think of your own home and somebody in your own home dying and you bring hospice into your home to help you take care of your loved one, uh, people that will come to us might not have any family or family may be working. In Berks County, you have to have a 24-7 dedicated caregiver to undergo hospice benefits. I did not know that. So if you can't have somebody with you 24-7, you can't have hospice? You That's must correct. go to a hospital? Or to a nursing home. To a nursing home, okay. Yes. Uh, we don't have any large hospice facility in Berks County. Lancaster does. So this will be a first in Berks County. We're up to three individuals may have our home as their home. Our volunteers, and I do hope somebody listening out there will sign up and become a volunteer. So you need volunteers to live there 24-7, or at least a portion of that time each week, perhaps? Is that? Well, what we envision, and we're modeling it uh, after some homes that already exist in New York State. Like St. Francis Home? Like, there is a St. Francis Home, oh, okay. there's a Matthew Home. Uh, some of them are two beds, one bed. Uh, St. Francis Home has been in New York, in Syracuse, has been in existence for 25 years. Mm -hmm. And that home has mushroomed from one bed to 16. Uh, is well endowed, uh, very sustainable, and will there be there as long as it is needed. We hope that happens to St. Francis Home, but we plan to keep it three beds. That is our goal in care. 
The people that will come in as volunteers uh, may do hands-on care, just as if you were family, or maybe they'll make chicken soup. So it's comfort care and not medical care that you're providing as a volunteer? We will follow the orders of the hospice nurse. Okay. And we will do and administer medicines, mm -hmm. but it will always be under the guidance of hospice and the hospice doctor. What are some criteria um, that would apply to residents, not volunteers, but residents? How will you, how will you determine who can use those beds? Uh, they will already be on hospice. Okay, so you're already on hospice and you don't have 24-7 care? Uh, correct. Okay. So they do not have a place to go to. And indeed, they may have family, but family may need to work. Yep. Uh, yep. They may have family out of state, uh, or they may not have family. So our volunteers... That's the saddest thing. You, you don't, we don't think of that. But I would imagine there are many that die alone because there's no family. Yes, and I have You're making had sure that doesn't happen. patients that have faced that. Uh, and it is very sad. I have had families wring their hands that they could not be with their loved ones and really did not want to have them in a nursing home, but wanted them in a home like their own. So our volunteers will do uh, maybe four-hour shifts Sad. and in all night. Yep. Uh, we will have training for the volunteers but really to be a volunteer is just taking care of your guest in St. Francis' home as if it is your home and as if they are your family and your loved one. What a beautiful legacy this is. And, and I can only imagine your dad's very proud of you, knowing that that moment has really set your path to make sure there's comfort provided wherever you can provide it. And obviously many have jumped on this mission with you for St. Francis Home here in Kumru Township. The target date is to open this summer? In June. In June, that's fantastic. Yes, and we really are blessed by the uh, community. Uh, our home is built on five to $30 donations. That's fantastic. So obviously donations are welcome. I understand you have a Facebook page now. So we, we have can a find Facebook out more about it. and that is up to date. We finally figured out how to do Facebook. So if we go onto Facebook and look for St. Francis Home Berks County, I'm sure that would come up and there's a website. Yes, it's, it is uh, St. Francis Home uh, Reading.org. Uh, we are having a gala, which is our major fundraiser. And that is March the 9th. Uh, at Crown Plaza, uh, $50 tickets. Uh, just call Nancy, who's the president of our board, 610-670-1050. Uh, uh, and if you miss that, that's okay. You might be watching this in July, September, or December, and your help, whether it is monetarily or giving of yourself and your energy, is certainly is welcome at St. Francis. But time, talent, and treasure. There you go. You are important to us. Say a prayer for us, and maybe you can donate some time. Mary Jo, you've got it. Thank you so much for taking the time and coming in and sharing oh, the story it's with us. It's wonderful important. that you invited me. Thank Our you. Our pleasure. Thank you. Thanks. Want to know more about who's doing what in Berks County? Check out the stories on thepeoplechronicles.com. 
These community stories are made possible in part by BCTV, Susie Ray Design, Queen City Family Restaurant, Lamar Advertising, Heidelberg Family Restaurant, Reading Air, Lions and Hole, Peanut Bar, and Kutztown University. <laughs>